Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 730 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today I'll be speaking with Hillary, who has type 1 diabetes, is married to a type 1, and is the parent of a type 1. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you're looking for the Diabetes Pro Tip series, it begins at episode 210 in your audio app. If you're a U.S. citizen who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please consider going to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Join the registry, take the survey. It all takes fewer than 10 minutes. It's completely HIPAA compliant, absolutely anonymous, and your answers to easy questions about type 1 will help other people living with type 1 diabetes. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. And if you're looking for community, look no farther than the private Facebook group for the Juicebox Podcast. Juicebox Podcast, Type 1 Diabetes on Facebook. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Get the meter that my daughter carries at contournext.com forward slash juicebox. The podcast is also sponsored by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. You can learn more about the InPen right now at InPenToday.com. My name's Hillary, and I have had type 1 diabetes for 28 years now. I was diagnosed the second day of kindergarten. I married my high school sweetheart, and then about five years into marriage, he got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And then... We have three children together, and our middle child was diagnosed in April of 2020 with type 1 at 3. Holy hell. Okay, (laughs) hold on a second. You've had it for 28 years, but how old are you? I am 34. 34. Second day of kindergarten? Yes. Like, still didn't know where your cubby was? Like, yeah, oh. pretty, pretty much. I went to, I rode the bus for the first time on the first day of school. And the second day I was in the hospital. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then your husband got yes. diagnosed at what age? What was um, that? Are, are you in that England? Was, Is that a, no, that's my son's CGM. <laughs> the text <laughs> come going off. Sorry. Um, oh, you really don't want to miss that, huh? <laughs> right. My no. husband's got it under control. It's fine. Sorry. Um but uh, what was the question? I'm husband sorry. was how old? My husband. He was, he got the diagnosis like right before his 30th birthday. Okay. And how, so he, and you, you have three kids, but one has T1, right? Yes. Okay. How old is he? He's five. How long has he had type one? Uh, it'll be two years in April. Okay. All right. Well, we have plenty to talk about, don't we? <laughs> There's a lot. Yes. How did I uh, come upon you is my first question. Um, I have a friend who actually uh, her son was diagnosed months after my son. And so um, we got in contact with each other and we're chatting. And she was the one that actually told me about the Juice Box podcast. I'd never heard of it in my 20 some years as a diabetic. 
And so I joined the Facebook group, but I haven't actually um, listened to any of the episodes yet. (laughs) So you had posted on there about somebody who hasn't, who's part of the group, but hasn't actually listened to any of the episodes. And so, yeah, Hillary, you kind of screwed me just now because I'll tell you why, (laughs) because I was sorry, I was super set to talk to somebody who just didn't know the podcast, but was in the Facebook group. And then you just dropped an amazing story on me. I'm gonna, <laughs> don't worry. Let me bear down in my mind. We'll get it. Um, uh, okay. I'm still going to start where I meant to start, though. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um, how is it being an adult who's had type 1 for a really long time and then suddenly discovering this kind of information that you didn't, you weren't aware of for so long? Is it uplifting or is it a little depressing or is it somewhere in the middle? Mm, I think it's great that there is a platform that is so accessible for parents um, or other type ones, but especially parents of type ones. I think it's um, incredibly overwhelming to have a diagnosis like that, that changes your entire world. Um, But when you don't know, or know very little bit about the disease. It's nice that there's a place for people to go and that they can find support, but also information that is um, very helpful. So I haven't actually listened to any of the episodes, but as I've become part of the um, Facebook group and I've seen different links for various episodes, once the pod, this interview is over, I plan to um, listen to a couple of them. I'm really looking forward to those, but I've been trying to not listen to any <laughs> in preparation say, for today. Have you been holding um, out so you could still say you were like a podcast version when we got on? Yes, yeah, okay. that's exactly <laughs> what I've been doing. Um, but anyway, I think it's great that you have it. And I know that my friend um, who introduced me to it has said wonderful things about it. So I, I have actually recommended the podcast to other um, type one moms without something? actually listening to it myself. So <laughs> Um, oh, I don't care how I get the recommendations, Hillary. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you can completely do that. But so when when she tells you about it, she told you about it because your son was diagnosed, not for yourself, right? That's correct. Okay. How would you characterize your overall health and management over the last 28 years? I would say for the first 20 years or so, it was... Um, definitely in the higher range as far as average blood sugar goes. Um, we didn't have, I didn't have a Dexcom until I was in my twenties. I didn't have a pump until I was 16. Um, and I'm only now on a like closed loop system. So the first 20 years, I think I, I didn't know a lot about the disease. I kind of just assumed that everybody ran higher, that that was just the normal for type one diabetics. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the lows were the scariest thing. And so so, in your mind, you weren't doing anything particularly wrong, right? You were protecting against getting low. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. And that was at the direction from your, your medical team as well, or just did that come from your personal experience? Um, I think my I think my parents were scared of lows too, especially without knowing, you know, without having a Dexcom in order to tell them what my blood sugar was at any given time. And right. you know, like I said, I started kindergarten the day before I was diagnosed, so that's a huge transition in most parents' worlds. And and now they have to 
spend a week at the hospital and then come back and, you know, yeah. now they're trying to learn about the disease and they're trying to educate my teachers and the staff about the disease. Um, and so I think it was just is scary. And I think it was always, let's try to stay a little bit on the higher range instead of on the lower range. And so that was just normal for me you think, until, I'm, sorry, I'm go sorry, ahead. Like you think don't get dizzy, don't pass out was kind of the word of the day. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Were you using, and then it, were you using, I'm sorry, I'm sorry were you using regular and MPH back then? I was using regular and I think it was called Lente was the long lasting. I can't remember, but I was on a sliding scale. I took two injections. I took one at breakfast and one at dinner. Um, and yeah, that was it. And yeah. if I was, if my blood sugar was high at lunchtime, then they would just like deduct something that was like, I wouldn't have milk with lunch. So to try to keep my blood sugar from getting any higher. Okay. Um, and then if it was extremely high, my mom would sometimes come and give me a third injection until I went up to four a day with Humalog and Lantus. Gotcha. Okay. So um, did you have that experience that some people talk about, like you've had diabetes from such a young age that you don't think about having diabetes as an adult? Um, or did it impact you differently? I think... I think my husband and my son being diagnosed makes it more on the forefront of my mind now. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like it was just kind of always a part of who I was for such a long time. And then it wasn't until um, we wanted to get pregnant that I went to um, the OB and she was like, oh, what's your A1C? And I think I was in the sevens or something. And she was like, you need to have an A1C of like a 5.5 in order to get pregnant. And I laughed because I thought she was joking. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, that's not realistic. Like that's a non-diabetic A1C. And she was like, right. If you want to have a healthy pregnancy. And I, I was completely blown away. to the point where I like left and told my husband that we're going to have to get a second opinion. Like we'll have to change obese or a dog. It was, it was definitely uh, depleting to hear that because like I said, you know, my whole life, I thought that what I was doing was, was what was normal for a diabetic. I had never met a diabetic with a 5.5. Yeah. She wasn't wasn't asking you to make it like 7.1 or 6.9. No. You were leaving, you were leaving one number and going two numbers away. And yeah. yeah, And that's, that probably felt daunting. Hey, um, you know, I'm, as you're talking, it's occurring to me. I think you're the first person I've ever spoken to who got type one as a child and then had a spouse get type one at, at after they were married. Like I, yeah. I cannot <laughs> genuinely remember this. May, may I ask when you figured out he had type one, did you figure it out or did he figure it out? Um, he was actually an active duty Marine when he was diagnosed. Okay. Um, and so he had gone to the doctor for something and they were doing regular tests and it came back that he had glucose in his urine. And he told me that, and I was like, Oh, they must've gotten your urine mixed up with somebody else's. So then they did a blood draw and it came back with his blood sugar being elevated. And again, I didn't believe it. And then I tested him on my own glucometer 
and it was high. And I was like, we'll wait and do a fasting tomorrow. And so then he woke up the next morning and he was like, I can't remember, maybe two fifteen or something. And I was like, oh my goodness, you have diabetes. Yeah. Did you, curse? And I was, did you curse in that moment or did you wonder like, how does this happen? Because I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head, I don't, you know, the numbers ever changing, but I think it's only like 1.8 million Americans have type one. Like, how did you pick one? Like, could you see it in his face when he was little or something like, I mean, how did you do that? That's, um, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it is really remarkable. I mean, I think it was, I don't know. God's plan is bigger than mine. So <laughs> Hillary, it feels to me, here's how it feels to me. Like you said, yeah, I married my high school sweetheart and he ended up being a serial killer. Isn't that crazy? Because that's how random that feels to me. It was, that's yeah. exactly how, I mean, it feels incredibly random to right. us too. Yeah, no and, and yeah, it changed our lives completely because he was then medically retired from the Marine Corps. Um, and so you know, he, we were moving across the country and we he just had a life-changing diagnosis and he was needing to find a new career and just like you know, that, it was, it was, yeah, all yeah. from one blood test. Well, I guess originally they diagnosed him with type two because of his age. And then we have a friend who is um, an endocrinologist and she was like, you should get him, get these antibodies tested. I didn't even know that there were antibodies to test for. Um, and so she gave us the list of the blood work to ask the Navy doc to, to pull or to draw. And so he got all that blood work drawn and it came back that he was positive for the antibodies and he was diagnosed from type two to type one. That's insane. Like it's, if you would come on here and tell me, Hey Scott, I don't listen to the podcast, but I, I get a lot out of the Facebook group. I'd say, okay, good conversation. If you got on here and told me, you know, I was diagnosed on the second day of kindergarten, I would have been like, oh, that's going to be a good conversation. If you would have just told me that this thing with your husband happened, I would have said, wow, we're going to have a nice time talking. But, <laughs> but then your kid gets diagnosed. And, yes. and so uh, here's my question. Did you up your game when the pregnancy news came or when he was diagnosed, which came first? Um, up my game as far as like my yeah, control we, of my diabetes. Right. Yeah. Before we had our first child, um, I got my A1C down into gotcha. the fives. Um, and then we had Lillian and then Henry. And then my husband got diagnosed. And then we had Teddy. And then, um, yeah, we kids? have maintained great A1Cs throughout all of all of that. So the last eight years I have been in the best health of my life. Wow. So was it one of those things that once you figured out you could do it, that you were like, wow, I'm just going to keep, you were able to keep doing it after the babies. Yes. Yeah. I think it was, I think once I actually got down into the fives and once I got past the laughing at the OB for telling me that that was something she wanted me to do, I I was like, this is how my body is supposed to feel. Like, this is what it feels like to feel good because I think I spent so many years running high that that was my normal. And I didn't know that I could, I could feel better, yeah. you know? And so Did it you, feels a lot better to be in tighter control. Oh yeah. We, I talked, I try to talk to people about it all the time that they don't realize how quickly your body gets accustomed to a higher blood sugar and you don't, yes. you don't feel as well as you could, but you just become mm -hmm. unaware of that at some point. Did you feel dizzy at normal numbers in the beginning? Um, not that I recall. No, okay. I know that I was 
I could feel um, there was a difference, but I wouldn't say that I was like dizzy or shaking or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's just compared to what I was normally running at. It was, you know, I could tell there was different, but. So from your perspective, which I, I, I find very valuable, what's the management difference between a seven and a five? Oh goodness. That was many years ago. Um, probably the biggest, I think the biggest thing is a Dexcom for me. Um, and then I don't know, probably use it that that makes it valuable to you. Just being able to see like when you're starting to trend up that Mm -hmm. you should give a little nudge and give a little bit more insulin. Um, or if you start to see, um, the numbers trend down, you can take one glucose tablet before it gets to be really low when you feel like you want to eat your whole kitchen. Um, but I don't know. Well, Hillary, let me say, you're going to love this podcast when you start listening to it. (laughs) You really are. I've heard great things. I can't wait. So I think it's, it's fascinating that you, um, just getting that information, just being able to see it in front of you, it, it's a shock, right? Like you look and you go, wait, this is happening. Like I had, I, I can remember when my daughter got a CGM and all the things that I didn't have any idea about were just kind of put in front of me. It was a little overwhelming at first. And then mm-hmm. just like you, I started thinking like, well, why don't I stop it before it gets high? Or, right, you know, why am I doing 15 carbs because her blood sugar mm-hmm. is 80, you, you know, like that kind of stuff. And and I realized how I was chasing the blood sugars constantly instead of being ahead of them. And it just all kind of kind of came into into focus. But I, I asked I asked you the way I did because a large amount of people, adults, that come on here and talk about type one, at some point will say, I didn't take great care of myself. Um, I wish I would have done better, something like that, until mm. there's always an until, until I wanted to get married, until I wanted to have a baby, until my son was diagnosed. Like there's always this very interesting kind of human thing that it's it's somehow difficult to take care of yourself for yourself, but it's easy to take care of yourself for someone else. So true. Yeah, it's just very interesting. Um, and so when your husband's diagnosed, is he knocked, I mean, besides losing his career, which I'm, I'm having trouble even imagining, uh, that's horrible. Uh, I interviewed a pilot one time who just, you know, in a swipe of a pen, couldn't do his job uh, anymore. Uh-huh. Um, but but when that happens to him, aside of that adjustment about career, did you having diabetes your whole life, was that of any value to him or was it like he was starting over? Um, I think it was definitely valuable because we had dated since we were 16 and he was 30. So at this, at that point, you know, he had 14 years of growing knowledge of the disease before he even had it. And, you know, there's been times when I've, you know, obviously been low and he's needed to help treat me and stuff like that. So like he understood a lot about the disease. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when he finally started feeling like low blood sugars or feeling how um, some lows can just kind of knock the wind out of you and you're tired for hours afterwards or something. um, It wasn't until those kind of experiences where he was like, you would talk about how, you know, it really drained you, but I didn't understand what that meant Mm -hmm. until I felt it myself. And so, um, he knew a lot about it, but you know, obviously you don't know everything until 
you're actually walking in those shoes. When you describe your husband as a Marine, you understand that I immediately, uh, not being a person who could fight anyone for any reason, imagine that your husband is about 6'2", weighs about 220 pounds, and could pick me up <laughs> my head and throw me across the room. Is any of that close to true? Um, I think my husband will tell me that there are two types of Marines, and I think it's like big and mean and lean and mean or something like that. Okay. So he is <laughs> he is um, six foot and probably like 170 pounds. But so he, he's he, a, a runner and he's fit, but yeah. he's, um, you know, a leaner fit, I guess. But but he's, uh, I mean, he's, it sounds like he served, right? And he's active. Yes. And so did he attack the diabetes with that sort of like, uh, how does David Goggins put it? Like, who's going to carry the boats? Like, did he, like, it's going to be me, I'm going to do it. Like, did he have that energy for that? Or did you see it make him more human? Um, I think he, well, I guess when he first got diagnosed, they said it was type two. So he started doing a lot of research about type two diabetics at 30. Mm -hmm. Um, and it wasn't until we did the antibody testing, um, that we realized it was that he was actually type one. So he had done a lot of research from the get go of like, how did he get type two? And, you know, how does, how, how can he manage this? Because I guess you can still stay in the Marine Corps with type two. I'm not really sure about all that, but right. anyway, um, he, he did take it very seriously and just tried to learn as much information as he could about, um, how to manage the disease and, um, live with it as healthy as possible. In addition to everything that, you know, he already knew from my life experience. Um, so yeah, he was very proactive. Were you able to be helpful to him? Was he open to your suggestions? Uh, sometimes. I mean, I would, there's, I mean, that's still an ongoing thing, I guess, you know, <laughs> when we start to see trends and we make suggestions to each other about, well, maybe you should, you know, increase your um, basal or decrease your basal or something like that. And, you know, there's some back and forth between who's <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, Do you for the most part. We usually agree on most things. Okay. Do you follow each other on CJAMs? Almost definitely. Okay. So you see his, he sees yours. You both see your sons. Okay. And we compete with our A1Cs because that's what any marriage would do, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, for certain. Um, Yeah. Hillary, I I know you're not on for this reason, but I'm going to be completely just derelict if I don't ask you this question. Um, You're the first person I've got to ask this of. I'm so sorry. You don't have to answer if you don't want to. What's it like having sex when you both have type one? Oh my goodness. Um, (laughs) That could be a conversation that might be (laughs) offline. (laughs) So are there a lot of devices clanking together? Are there low treats all over the room? Like, Like, give me the high level look at it. Nothing too personal. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Hillary, you do not want to answer. That's fine. Don't, I don't <laughs> want to make you feel pressured. Just tell me, are some positions out of the question? Uh, <laughs> oh, Hillary, you're, you're very demure. Okay. I'm so sorry. Never mind. It's okay. <laughs> don't worry. Don't, you're a wife of a Marine. You've got three kids. I didn't expect this. It's okay. Don't, feel <laughs> judged. you're not judged. Don't worry.
First of today's sponsors, InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. You know what an insulin pen is, but do you know what the InPen is? InPen does something kind of great. It pairs with an application on your smartphone, and it gives you a lot of the functionality that people tend to think about when they think about insulin pumps, like dose reminders, a dosing calculator, carb counting support, a logbook. It's a place where you can see your glucose history, your active insulin remaining, your current glucose, and your meal history. This is pretty special. InPenToday.com So if you're looking for a reusable smart insulin pen that uses Bluetooth technology to send dose information to your mobile app, you're looking for the InPen. Everything you need to get started is at InPenToday.com. There's not much more to tell you. Head over there right now and get going. Maybe this will help you decide. Now, this offer is available to people with commercial insurance and terms and conditions apply, but you may pay as little as $35 for the InPen. And if you prefer to read your internet in Spanish, go to InPenToday.com and click the link at the top of the page. Turns the whole page right over to Spanish. It's pretty great. InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed or you could experience higher low glucose levels. For more safety information, visit InPenToday.com. Now let's talk about something that everyone needs. An accurate blood glucose meter. And for my money, the Contour Next one is the way to go. You head to ContourNext.com forward slash juicebox. And there you're going to learn all about the blood glucose meter that Arden carries. Before we talk about the meter, let's talk about the test strips. As part of the Contour Next blood glucose monitoring system, these strips offer remarkable accuracy. They are the number one branded over-the-counter test strips, and these test strips offer second chance sampling. This can help you to avoid wasting test strips, and it is said that up to 100 strips can be wasted each year due to application errors. But with the Contour Next one blood glucose meter, you get second chance sampling. Now, the meter itself is small, easy to carry, easy to use, easy to read, and has a bright light. Checks all the boxes. Go to contournext.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, you can click on this big orange button that says buy now. When you do that, it gives you a ton of options for buying online. Because you might not know this, but the Contour Next One blood glucose meter may be less expensive when paid for by cash than when you get it through insurance. Maybe, maybe not but you'll find out. I'm just gonna click here on the Amazon link. It's gonna get the first price that pops up. Here we go, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Oh, uh, Contour Next One Blood Glucose Monitoring System, $11.49. Hmm, okay. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. There are links in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening in right now, and links at juiceboxpodcast.com to the InPen, the Contour Next One, and all of the sponsors of the Juicebox Podcast. When you click on my links, you are supporting the show. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to Hillary. Uh, I just, I don't know how not to ask. I have episodes of people who just come on and talk about, you know, like 
really like what it's like and about kind of, you know, getting your blood sugar in a good place or getting low during or how to treat each other and stuff like that. I just, I don't know. It just jumped into my mind all of a sudden. Uh, I apologize for asking. How's that? It's quite all right. Thank it's um, probably not something I would talk about on a podcast, but it <laughs> it is, um, you know, obviously part of our life and our, um, you know, marriage and something that we uh, navigate as well. Yeah. Okay. Do you guys all use similar devices or does everybody kind of have their own choice for a pump, et cetera? Um, I was Medtronic for several years. Then I went to Animus. Then I went back to Medtronic. Then um, Henry started on the Tandem. And then I switched over to Tandem as well. And so my husband's still on Medtronic. And once um, his warranty's up, I think he's planning to switch to Tandem as well. You guys all using Control IQ? Yes. You like it? I love it. Yeah. I, I mean. Can't say enough great things about it. His algorithms are absolutely fantastic. Um, they are. Yeah. I I, uh, I know the Omnipod 5 is coming out very, very soon based on when you and I are talking, not based on when you and I, uh, not based on when this will actually go up, but um, it'll be out. It's going to be out really soon. So I know, I just think that algorithms are for people who can afford the the gear and who want to learn them. I think it's a, I, it's just a no brainer, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I got to ask you, I don't want to make you upset, but how do you notice your son? I'm assuming you figured it out before too long with both of you having type one, right? Yes. Yeah. So I think I've, I think I dealt with guilt of not picking up the signs on my husband's diagnosis and it still blows my mind that. He had it and I, you know, all the signs that in retrospect obviously were there, but I thought they were something else. Um, So with Henry, um, it was, you know, I don't know, four or five weeks into the pandemic. So we were all at home and um, I was reading him. Well, I guess I had had. There had been one day in October when we had gone out to lunch and afterwards he was just acting off. And I was like, something's up. And I tested his blood sugar and it was a little bit high, but nothing that was like out of the normal range for, um, you know, non-diabetic who'd just eaten. Right. And so that was in October. And then in April, when we were all at home, I was reading him a book before lunch And he had an accident and I was like very shocked that he had an accident. And my husband who was working at home came into the room because it was about lunchtime. And I was like, Hey, Henry, Henry just had an accident. I think we should test his blood sugar. And he was like, my husband said, well, he's three Hillary that happens. And I was like, I know, but I, I just think we should test his blood sugar. And it was 374. And I gave him a low carb lunch and I put him down for a nap and I called my endocrinologist and, um, they were like, we can't do anything. You need to call his pediatrician. And I was like, Oh, well, you're an endocrinologist. <laughs> They're not an endocrinologist. You're the but, diabetes um, guy. Come on. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I called the pediatrician and they were like, okay, you need to pack an overnight bag and bring him in. And I was like, 
what, why do I need to do that? Like, they were like, well, we need to test his blood sugar and test him for ketones. And I was like, oh, well, I can just test his blood sugar when he wakes up from nap. And I just ordered Instacart from CVS and, you know, the ketone strips will be here soon and we'll test him when he wakes up. <laughs> and she was like, no, ma'am, you need to pack a bag and bring him in. I was like, why do I need to pack a bag? She's like, well, he's probably going to have to go to the children's hospital today. And I was like, and of course, this is five weeks into the pandemic and we have two type one diabetics in our house and now a yeah. third type one diabetic in our house and the hospital was the last place we wanted to go. Um, and so I, I eventually packed a bag and woke him up and took him in and Luckily he didn't have ketones and his blood sugar was still high. And so they called um, one of the local children's hospitals and the pediatrician was actually really wonderful and advocated for us because um, asking if we needed to go to the hospital. And they eventually said that because my husband and I both knew how to manage diabetes and because Henry didn't have ketones that we could just stay at home and do all the training and everything virtually. So we didn't actually have to, um, go to the hospital, which in hindsight, I'm very, very relieved because I've heard a lot of very traumatic stories about, um, you know, that week of diagnosis in the hospital for kids. And I remember mine being pretty traumatic too. So I'm glad that Henry didn't have to go through that. Well, listen, if there's no immediate medical issue, I mean, mean, he's got to be in reasonably good hands with the two of you at the very least they had to have felt a little comfortable about that and then i would bet covid too you know they were probably yeah. looking for an excuse not to bring anybody into the hospital honestly did, yeah did he ever have a honeymoon oh yeah he honeymooned for a while he wasn't he didn't take insulin until hmm, maybe august oh really so april to august yeah he was we just did lower carb diet and was able to um, keep him in a good range. And then we started on Humalog for, I think, breakfast. So one meal a day in August. And then eventually it went to breakfast and lunch. And then it was breakfast, lunch, and Lantis at night. Okay. I was going to say around was, Christmas time. Oh, the Lantis didn't come till Christmas? That's correct. Oh, yeah. wow. So you were just, you were just shooting for meals. So almost like a type two. Yeah, for a long time, I think yeah. his body was making enough with the lower carb diet that he was not having a lot of huge um, spikes. And at night, you know, he was still fasting. His blood sugar was like in the 60s and 70s. And because he wasn't on Lantus, they said we didn't need to treat it um, yeah. at night. So because he had no, you know, we didn't do a dinner bolus for a really long time. Right. So yeah. it was just um, there was no insulin on board except for what his pancreas was still making yeah you know for you quite a while if you're not using man-made insulin a nice 70 blood sugar while you're sleeping is kind of lovely so yeah yeah until you're worried about something dragging you down um, sure it isn't something to worry about is there um now or was there then or has there ever been uh any comfort that you can read on his face that you and your husband also have diabetes or does that not um help? i don't know if it's comfort but i do know that like he i think it's nice for him to feel more normal like he's not the only one so he has his one friend um the mom of the mom who um, introduced me to the podcast and then um you know we have other neighbors actually there's quite a few neighbors in our neighborhood who have type one ironically really um yeah (laughs) 
there's a lady down the street who's been on insulin for over 50 years and just at the end of the cul-de-sac. Are you still in the town that you went to kindergarten in? No, but only an hour, only an hour away. You know what I'm asking you? Like, is there like a cluster? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah, it is interesting. Um, Okay. So, I mean, I I don't know. I don't want to make you feel sad, but does it, is it make you feel like it's your fault? Or, mm. or are you able to like blame your husband because he has type one and just ignore it? Just be like, I think it's him. Uh, <laughs> but I know what the that, mom guilt. Yeah, yeah, the mom guilt. The mom guilt's real for sure. I mean, but I would not change not having him. You know, like of course, I I love him, and you know, well, I've heard a lot of people who you know who have type one who question whether or not they want to have kids because you know yeah. they don't want to pass it on to them, but I don't know. It's, I can't imagine life without my babies. And so they're just such wonderful blessings. And that's just part of Henry's story and, you know, something that he lives with. We all, we all live with things and struggle with things. So that is just one of the things that Henry has to deal with now. I agree. I think that, I mean, if you kind of reverse engineer the idea, right? Like you don't wish you weren't ever alive. And right. you know what I mean? You're not looking, you're not looking to bail because you have type one. There's no reason to think mm-hmm. that his life will be any, uh, any more or less successful than you were able to be, or your husband's been able to be. Um, sure. yeah, it just, it's just, you know, it happens. People blame themselves for things that aren't their fault. And, uh, it's hard to shake sometimes for some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about in your husband's, uh, family, other autoimmune or type one? Yes. So his mother's sister got diagnosed with type one in college. So adult, you know, as an adult. Um, and ironically, she was married to a Marine. <laughs> and so when my husband and I were dating in high school and college, we were like, look, we're like them, you know, a Marine and a diabetic. And <laughs> then my husband got diabetes too. So he will jokingly tell everybody that it's contagious. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, I, if, if, Anybody ever said anything that made me think it was contagious? It's pretty much you. <laughs> so, yes. I, yes. I, Don't get too close. I Don't did, sit too close. I did just put up an episode with a young girl who has, uh, she she is one of eight brothers and sisters and six of them have type one. I saw that. That's one of the episodes I really wanted to watch. And so I'm going to watch that or listen to that. I was going to say, you really don't I'm listen to the to. podcast. You don't, you don't get to see it. You'll only hear yeah, it I don't get to watch it. Well, that's just, that's really crazy. I mean, it just is. How about on your side? No, I'm the only, only type one. My mom said that her grandfather, they used to talk about how he had high sugars. So she thinks that maybe he had type one and nobody knew Mm -hmm. what it was called, or maybe just, you know, health was categorized differently back then, or people didn't talk about it as much. I don't know. Um, How about like celiac, hypothyroidism, uh, rheumatoid arthritis? Anything like that? Uh, I have hypothyroidism. Okay. My mom has hypothyroidism. Are you guys Hashimoto's um, or just typo? Is it auto- just hypo? Just hypo. Okay. Um, yeah. How, do your other two kids look scared? Are they somewhere right now, like holding up a Horcrux or something? Like what? <laughs> yeah, we got um, our eldest tested for the antibodies through TrialNet, and mm-hmm. so after Henry was diagnosed, um, and hers came back negative. So we're hoping that that doesn't change. Yeah. Um, you know, she has 
she knows a lot about diabetes for a six-year-old who doesn't have the disease. So, um, you know, she will talk about it and, um, you know, how white blood cells attacked things, you know, the pancreas and all this stuff. And, and so, um, you know, I'll ask her questions about it and she's like, so that's, you know, that's pretty cool. And I was like, you think diabetes is cool? And she was like, yeah, it's pretty cool, but I don't want to have it. And I was like, okay. You know, I did I talk to it. one adult once who didn't have it when everyone else in their family did, and they felt like they wanted it when they were a kid. They felt like they were like, it's a weird idea that, to consider, but they felt on the outside of the inner circle. Yeah, and I that, bet. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that mm-hmm. stuff happens when you're raising kids one way or the other, but sure, you know, you wouldn't think on something like this. Just really fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have, I, I, let me recenter myself. Give me a second, Hillary. You, you <laughs> dropped a lot on me. I, I was just like, all right, hold on. I, I was planning on asking you like, what's it like? Well, I'm still going to ask you. How about that? Okay. <laughs> why, why, why philosophize about it? Um, as an adult living with type one, right. And for having it for so long, when a friend comes along, even though it's a friend and says, there's a guy, I think you should listen to him. He doesn't have diabetes but he's going to talk to you about it. Do you, does that rub you the wrong way? Uh, no, not at all. Okay. Um, I mean, I understand that your daughter has type one, correct? She does. Yes. Yes. Um, so, I mean, you've, you're living with it too, even if you know the one having it. And so, I mean, I think there's for me personally, having diabetes myself, was easier. It's harder being a parent of a type one diabetic than it is being a type one myself. Um, and so it's, you know, in the last year and a half, two years, it's been completely different than, um, it was before. Yeah. Would you talk about that a little more? What, What makes it different and more difficult? I don't know. I think it's, for me, I know what it feels like when I'm low and I know what it feels like when I'm high. And I know that like, if I choose to eat, you know, that pizza at the birthday party, and then I go high, like that was the choice I made. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I can weigh the risks of, is it going to be worth it if I don't bolus just right for it? Um, whereas he's five and of course he wants pizza. And of course he wants pizza at the birthday party. And if I don't do it right, then, you know, the mom guilt of feeling bad that like, oh, now he, now he probably feels like crap and it's my fault, but, you know? Yeah. Um, so, and so, a lot of and that, also, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You're fine. Yeah. And also just the lows of like, he is not going to wake himself up in the middle of the night to treat a low. So, you know, making sure that, I have all the alarms set at the right volume and, you know, that I've given the right amount before he goes to bed and all that kind of stuff. It's like, do you feel, it's, do you have extra pressure because you feel like you could be incapacitated when he needs you? There are definitely been times when both of us have been trending low and, you know, my whole time as a mom you hear a lot of moms who talk about like, oh, I didn't have time to eat today because I was taking care of the kids. Mm-hmm. And I never, I could never say that because if I need to eat, I can't take care of other people if I don't take care of myself first. Yeah. And so I've always been 
I guess, a unique situation as far as a mom of young kids, because I've always had to put myself first because if I don't, I can't take care of them. And so there have been times when both of us have been trending low and I'm like, okay, I have to treat me and I have to treat him, you know, or what happens if one of us does become, you know, if I'm not able to treat, I mean, I'm obviously catastrophizing and, you know, this is anxiety talking, but you know, what, what's my, you know, do I need to teach my six-year-old how to call 911 and what to tell them? And, you know, do I need to teach her how to use a glucagon or a back see me? Like, <laughs> Hey, 911, yeah. it's a shit show over here. Um, <laughs> my mom is walking in circles and my little brother is just flopping over. I need help. Yeah. I'm right. Six. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's definitely a real thought that has come to mind and, um, Did you you teach her? How fast? I I should. I haven't yet. Um, My husband uh, now predominantly works from home. So usually there's, you know, two of us at home to. Oh, good. Yeah. To do all the things. And so, but yeah, I mean, it's, there are definitely times when um, my husband, you know, coached Henry's baseball team this past year. And it was one of those things where if I'm not at the game teaching Henry, like if dad ever were to pass out, you know what to do. Like, you know what to tell people, right? Like the daddy has type one diabetes. And, you know, if you never, if you ever don't feel well, you need to make sure you tell people that you have type one diabetes. So just those things, those conversations that you, the extra conversations you have to have that you don't want to have, but just so that people are aware in case there's an emergency. Right. But, um, you know, it, it builds. I mean, if I can give you the benefit, a little bit of my experience, <clears throat> Sure, I understand the pressure, but it builds slowly. You know what I mean? Like you, you have the conversation once they don't need to completely understand it the first time. Like it's a, it's a really slow progression. It's like teaching somebody about type one. It's just, I don't think it's reasonable to think that you're going to tell somebody the first time, Hey, listen, you have to pre bowls these meals and expect right. that they're going to do it every time for the rest of their life. You know, mm-hmm. a, a lot of parenting, whether it's diabetes related or not is saying the same thing over and over again it's just it's a Mm -hmm. lot it's a big part of the job you know um yeah i mean if your husband starts talking about a different sport during baseball practice that might be a good like indicator uh for your son just you know daddy told me to go out for a pass but i'm playing first base so i figured i figured something was wrong i love that your son plays baseball by the way my son does too Um, oh really cool yeah my daughter has type one she's 17 uh and she okay she was diagnosed when she was two Oh, wow. Yeah. My son is 22. He's a senior in college and he still plays baseball. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, but he, he has actually, he has Hashimoto's, uh, but uh, at this moment, nothing else. And uh, he did not have antibodies when he was tested by trial net about 10 years ago either. So we always just kind of quietly cross our fingers about all that stuff. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Yeah. We're still waiting for our two-year-old to get old enough for, I guess they recommended that we wait until he's a little bit older to do the trial net for yeah. him. So, um, yeah, it's a lot. I mean, are you okay? <laughs> does, anyone, <laughs> does anyone ever ask you? Right now I'm okay. Cause all of our numbers are looking good on the Dexcom. Really? <laughs> what happens when it gets upside down? Does it derail a day ever or derail an hour? Define derail. I don't know. You were going to go to lunch, but now you're eating at a, at a Wawa instead or something. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Um, we always have like 
glucose tablets everywhere. So usually, like I said, we try to, you know, prevent too many lows from getting too low and catching it early. So we don't have to, you know, stop somewhere else before we were going to eat a whole meal somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there are definitely times when you, you know, at Christmas time, you eat too many things or you shouldn't, or I shouldn't say shouldn't, but too many things and you didn't bolus correctly for them right. or, um, you know, go to a birthday party and didn't quite guesstimate, guesstimate the, the pizza or, or the, the cake. Or yeah. yeah. Or the pinata candy or whatever it is. So, <laughs> but usually we try to like, you know, do the, the foods that we don't normally eat. We try to do those in the middle of the day, try to give us some time in the afternoon to catch and, you know, make sure everything's back on track before going to bed at night. But yeah, that's, I'll tell you, um, that's super smart. Just don't, don't tackle something you're not good at or something you don't understand at certain times a day, like before bed is just the big, right. have it earlier in the day, give yourself a chance to get out of it before bedtime. That's very, exactly. that's a, that's a ninja level move there. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. We don't ever go out to dinner. If we're going to go out, it's for lunch. <laughs> for lunch. Well, that's super smart. It really is. Um, <laughs> made me laugh with that. Hey, I don't, I don't want to know exactly where, but are you and I, do we live near each other? Are you in the Northeast ish? I am in Virginia. Virginia. I heard you say home like it was a little Philly. Oh, no. Sorry. No, no, it's okay. It's just why I guessed. That's all. You did the um, home. You went home. <laughs> and I thought, oh, she, maybe she lives around here. Uh, that's excellent. So, all right. So, what are so your son's? Is he in, he's in school now? He is in pre K. He'll go to kindergarten in the fall. Okay. And will it be in person? Yes, I think yeah. we are. Um, we are actually meeting with the admin of the school on Friday to see um, what they're comfortable with as far as management of him um, at school next year. And if not, then I will probably homeschool him for kindergarten. Well, is, but, it, a, is it a public school? No, it's not. I was going to say it doesn't matter what they are comfortable with if it's a public school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I. I, I understand the desire. Like you're worried that somebody won't want to give him insulin or. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I yeah. I know there's a lot of private places that won't administer any um, drugs whatsoever, which I understand that that's a liability. Mm -hmm. um, but, and I know a lot of schools have policies about cell phones and, you know, right. Well, I'll also all the things. So. I only want to send him somewhere that is, you know, totally comfortable with it. I wouldn't want anybody to do something or accept him, I guess, and not feel fully comfortable yeah. uh, with doing the things that need to be done. Yeah. I wouldn't want somebody who's going to flinch in the wrong moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, I'll tell you one of the most popular episodes of the podcast is like the fourth one. It's called texting diabetes because the day I realized that texting was a very important diabetes tool was a was a beautiful day around here. Like, you know, I just I recognized one day, like I can imagine what's happening to my daughter. She doesn't actually need to be with me for me to still kind of like know where she's at. If I know the insulin she's had and I, and I know the food she's had, and, you know, reasonably speaking, I know where her exercise has been. Like I don't physically need to be with her to make decisions. And Arden, has, I know, you know, she hasn't been to the nurse since uh, the last day of second grade. 
Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's part of the reason why I might homeschool next year. Cause I'm like, if I can teach him to read or at least read enough that I could text him on an Apple watch, (laughs) maybe he could just manage it all on his own, but I don't know if that's too much to ask of a seven-year-old. Yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know when he'll be able to do it, but functionally the idea I love, I think you're, yes, you know, me too. you're smart. It's going to, it's going to be a big deal for you because you know, it just allows decisions to be made in the moment. There's no waiting. There's no, I got to walk to the nurse and wait for the kid in front of me's knee to get fixed. Like, you know, it's, it's very immediate. You avoid a lot of spikes that way, which of course avoid you no know, lows later. And um, yeah, it's just really cool. You are really going to like this podcast. I can't wait for you. To I'm, <laughs> I'm excited. I, I remember when I was in elementary school that I couldn't even test my blood sugar in the classroom. And because I didn't have a Dexcom, anytime I felt off as, you know, an elementary school aged kid, I had to be able to tell the teacher, I don't feel well. And then I'd have to have another student escort me to the clinic so that I could test my blood sugar and then determine whether or not I actually needed treatment one way or the other. Yeah. And so it's crazy to think about how my parents had to manage my diabetes just, you know, Mm -hmm. 28 years ago, opposed to me right now looking at my phone and seeing exactly what my blood sugar, my son's blood sugar is the whole time he's at preschool. Arden bolus during her SAT. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. Just they, they just, um, we had all the provisions put in place. And so I sent a text that said, you need insulin. And she showed the phone to the proctor and the proctor paused her test and Arden gave herself insulin. The proctor asked if she was ready to restart and Arden said, yes. And she sat back down, they restarted her time and that was it. Wow. Yeah. If you're prepared, it's pretty easy. You know, it's. You know, mm-hmm. It's obviously helpful that you really know what you're talking about and you can watch it from afar. I mean, I can't say enough. Dexcom's a sponsor, but you know, between the the device itself and the sharing feature is just crazy. You know that the ten people can follow your follow you is just. I mean, it's wonderful. You know, it is. Yeah, I mean, you could so wonderful. You might meet a nurse one day, even who has a grasp of it, and you know, some people have their nurses following during the day and. Yeah. Helps the kids in class and everything. Yeah. Your, your, your son's going to grow up in a different world than you did with type one. That's for sure. Already. It's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. The algorithms alone are insane. I mean, the sleep that you got back from an algorithm, right? Crazy. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And for myself too. Like I never go low anymore. My daughter's not feeling well today. Mm, I'm uh, sorry. No, no, no. Something not diabetes related. Right. So she went to bed last night. I don't know, like 11 o'clock. And, mm-hmm. um, and her blood sugar has been so, she's still asleep. It's like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm just looking back 12 hours, like Arden's blood sugar hasn't been over 120 or under 85 in the last 12 hours. And she, awesome. you know, it's just, if she, if this happened and this has happened in the past, you know, before, even with CGM, I would probably be in there like temp basaling, trying to avoid lows and, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trying not to stick juice in her mouth, but maybe having to and uh instead the algorithm just like it just you know it's it's amazing it's it's really is it's life-changing so yes yeah no kidding all right listen hillary like i'm not kicking you off i'm just i want to make sure i don't miss anything like is there something about your life that i don't know to ask about because you have such a unique situation that you would want to tell uh, 
I don't know. I I had one near death experience once oh, when right. I was pregnant. Right. My Hold third on. time. I know. Second. Yeah, yeah. Well, you you wouldn't talk about the sex, <laughs> but you'll talk about this. That's good. I'll take. That. <laughs> I'll take. Wait a minute. So was this diabetes related? It was. Yes. Oh my god. All right. Hold, let me. I gird my loins. I don't want to cry, Hillary. It's the afternoon here, and I haven't had lunch yet. So. I'm sorry. I, no, no, don't, don't be sorry. I just sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I cry. That's all. It's not a big deal. I won't let you know. I'll push the microphone aside. So, which <laughs> which child were you pregnant with? I was pregnant with my third. Okay. So it was before Henry was diagnosed, um, but it was shortly after my husband had been diagnosed, mm-hmm. and he was. Um, so I. I love the Dexcom and I will never not wear my Dexcom ever again, but I started wearing a Dexcom when I was trying to get pregnant with my first. And so then I wore it through the whole, that whole time period and through the whole pregnancy. But then typically after each pregnancy, I would take it off and not wear it anymore. Cause I felt like, you know, I didn't have to be monitored that closely cause I wasn't carrying a child. Um, and so when I got pregnant with Teddy. I had an order in for a Dexcom because I knew I needed to get back on it, but I um, didn't have it in yet. And so I think I was like seven weeks pregnant maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had taken the Lillian and Henry to a play date in the neighborhood. So I was pushing the double stroller and we had a great play date. We walked home and the two kids went down for naps and I was in the first trimester of pregnancy and I was tired too. So I was like, I'm going to take a nap too. And I fell asleep and I woke up to like eight EMTs in my bedroom. And so um, my husband was being transitioned out of the Marine Corps. So he um, came home earlier than he would typically on a typical work day. And when he walked in, he heard our Henry was in the crib um, and he was crying. And my husband thought, wow, she must be really tired that she doesn't hear the baby crying. So we went upstairs and got him out of the crib and came back downstairs. And then a little while later, he started hearing, you know, moans coming from upstairs and just assumed it was our three-year-old daughter waking up from her nap and wanted attention and somebody to carry her downstairs. And when he walked into the foyer to look up the stairs, he realized that the moans were coming from the master bedroom and he ran upstairs and I was um, unconscious. And I guess I must've been seizing when he was hearing the moans and um, he gave me the glucagon called 911 and tested my blood sugar and I was 17. And so the EMTs took, you know, eight minutes or so to get to the house. And then they put me on a IV glucose strip Mm -hmm. and I eventually came to, Um, I remember Henry was, at the window talking to one EMT about the fire truck in the like front yard. And then um, another EMT had like blown up one of the rubber gloves and was using it as like a puppet to entertain Lily. And then um, Nick was you know, sitting right next to me in the bed, holding my hand. Yeah. And I was like, I'm feeling very overwhelmed right now. And he was like, it's okay. You're okay now. Um, and so that was my near death experience. Um, and then, so I will never not use a, or a, a 
the Dexcom ever again. But the crazy thing about it is because I'd had diabetes for such a long time and I've, you know, had been in such good control for so long, I had let my glucagon, um, expire, expire. So the glucagon that was used to save my life was actually my husband's. And if he hadn't just been diagnosed with type one within that year, he wouldn't have had it. No kidding. You know, it's so interesting. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, but it's so interesting to listen to you talk about this because you're a person who's lived in both worlds now with diabetes. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's just incredibly valuable to hear you talk about it because there are a lot of people like you who have lived with it for decades who think, like, I don't need this technology. I'm fine. You, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, or don't tell me what to do. I don't need some guy telling me to pre bolus or, you know, like that kind of stuff. This stuff is right. all, all super important. And yes. um, you should, I, I think people should see it as lucky that they live in a time where the technology exists, that they can see the speed and direction of their blood sugar. It's just a big deal, yes. you know? Um, but it is really interesting because as you tell the story, you know, the story starts with kind of like, you know, OG Hillary, who's like, I don't need a CGM. That's just for making, sure. ba- that's just for making babies, y- y- you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I don't want to be tracked by the man. <laughs> and, yep. you know, and, then, and then suddenly you're it's like, true. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. Trust me. I've spoken to a lot of people with diabetes in my life, <laughs> probably like over 700. And so, wow. yeah, I, I know the vibe. Like I, I, I know how it happens and I know the kind of like animosity that builds up inside and that's sort of like I can do it and I don't need help and I've got this it's almost like it's armor that you needed to get through that part but you live in a different mm-hmm. time now and you're still swinging your sword at dragons and they don't exist anymore the kind of thing yeah does that make sense you know yeah, yeah. I mean I didn't get a pump for until I was 16 even though I was diagnosed at you know five because I didn't want to be attached to a machine right and yeah. then it's like once I got it I was like, oh, this is life-changing. Like, I wish I'd done this sooner. And then the Dexcom after it saved my life, (laughs) especially after it saved my life, I was like, yeah, I will never not wear this. And my child would never not wear this. And, um, you know, for me also, it was the fact that like, not necessarily that I didn't need it, but like, I just, before I wanted to get pregnant, the first time I just didn't know that you could live a life in better control. I think I just thought that this was what was the norm. And, you know, now you hear about all of the long-term complications and, um, you know, all those things that can be very scary, but as a word of encouragement that I do tell a lot of other type one moms is like for 20 years, I was not in tight control and, now I'm 34 and in the best control of my life and I get blood work done. Last time I saw my endocrinologist, she was like, if I were to show your blood work to one of my colleagues and not tell them that you were type one, they would have no idea. Yeah. So, you know, there is, there is hope for, you know, anybody who feels like, Oh, this is just, who have just accepted that this is the way it is. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Like you can, you can, get to a point where, you know, you don't have to feel such great swings of the highs and the lows and, you know. Yeah. Hillary, my, if, my daughter's A1C has been between five, two and six, two for eight years. And she does not, that's have, awesome. she does not have any diet restrictions. 
So that's um, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. It's just, it's the stuff I figured out and then the stuff I, I put back into the podcast so other people could hear about it. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. My husband and I got our, uh, A1C results yesterday and we were usually he beats me by like a 10th or two tenths of a point, but we tied at 4.9 yesterday. Wow. Are you guys low carb? Um, I wouldn't, yeah, we're lower carb. I would, we're not keto by any means. I mean, we try to be, we're about 80%, I would say Mm plant-based. So, um, and if there is a lower carb option or like we definitely substitute, you know, wheat products for white products whenever we can, um, whenever it makes sense, but like we enjoy going out to restaurants and eating whatever, ordering whatever we want when we go out to restaurants and there's like no um, stipulations on what that is. But obviously we try not to do that every day <laughs> for okay. lots of reasons. No, but that's but, um, amazing. I think honestly, I mean, you don't know me, but I'm a very much a whatever works person. I just think that mm-hmm. people should understand how insulin works. They should understand yes. how to use it and then they can apply it to any style of living they want. But it's a travesty not to understand the insulin and then just try to dive into things, whether it's plant-based mm-hmm. or high fat or whatever, however you're going to eat, you know? Sure. Yeah. When my husband was diagnosed with type one, it also um, led to him having high cholesterol. Um, and so then obviously that's a concern because type one diabetes has, you know, long-term effects risks with heart disease and stuff like that. So cholesterol just adds another layer of, um, to that. And so we went plant-based to try to, or mostly plant-based trying to lower his cholesterol, which Mm -hmm. he successfully has done. So it's really remarkable. Did the whole family Um, go along with you or just the two of you? Yeah, we're mostly plant-based. I mean, I still put cream in my coffee every morning and, um, you know, when we make chilies and stuff, the kids usually put cheese on it because, you know, it's more appealing to them in that way. But we, um, we try yeah. to, it sounds like you're doing to great. Do that. You're kidding. Thanks. Yeah. It sounds, yeah. Like, it sounds like you're doing amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm now realizing that your friend who suggested the show to you was really just suggesting it to you because you became the parent of a child with type one. It was, yeah. it wasn't I mean, for you at all. I didn't have support groups or, you know, anything like that growing up. And when Henry was diagnosed, one of the first things that the children's hospital and the endocrinologist asked us to do was to join a support group. And so I went on Facebook looking for support groups, but um, I didn't find the juice box podcast because I was just searching for diabetes support groups um, in the search window. And then when Anna told me about, you know, the juice box podcast. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm what not familiar is. with that. Yeah. And so do you listen to any podcasts? No, not really. Oh, I'll be your first. That's lovely. I like the way that. Yes. Yeah. That way you, your focus will not be drawn away by others. Like, you know, there you I, go. I don't need you wondering what Dak Shepard is thinking. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's all Exactly. Right. No competition. Can I ask you, Hillary, in your life, have you ever wondered what Dak Shepard thought of anything? Um, no, I don't think I have. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Uh, I just randomly picked a popular podcast out of my head. That's all. Um, I really can't thank you enough for doing this. This was, this was wonderful. It's way more than I expected. And, um, and I'm, I'm really grateful for you sharing the story. I think that this went in a direction that I didn't uh, plan on, but I, I think it's just incredibly valuable. So in my mind, 
uh, hearing a person who's, like I said earlier, lived in both worlds um, is, mm-hmm. is important for young people and older people who have type one and even parents, you know, it's, uh, I think that maybe one of the most important things you can do if you're living with diabetes is to stay aware of current treatments and technology. Don't change just for the sake of changing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't just be like, oh, I'm tired of my car being blue. I'm going to get a white one now. But when you see something that's a leap and you should leap along with it because you do not want to be in a position ever where you look back and think, oh, I've been doing this the old way for 10 years and other Mm -hmm. other people are having um, better health, easier times, uh, more happiness, you know, a lighter existence. Uh, because of some of the things that this technology can do. Um, yeah, I, I, really, I really appreciate you saying all this. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Of course. Are you still nervous? Um, no, I think I'm okay. Okay. I did okay. I got okay. you calm. I, yeah. Uh, I almost <laughs> screwed up with the sex thing, Hillary, but I backed out of it pretty quickly. <laughs> I should have you know what I mean? I should have known. I didn't know you well, and you haven't heard the podcast. I was like, but I, I mean, how am I not going to ask? You know what I mean? fair enough it's a fair question i I just don't know i love that you don't want to even revisit it like in hindsight this is i like you a lot (laughs) you're delightful um well my best to your husband and your son and um i would i i if i was those kids i'd wrap myself in a hermetically sealed bubble just in case you are patient zero over there yes exactly (laughs) i know i know it's, it's crazy. It really is. Okay. Um, and it's crazy how since I've how since Henry's been diagnosed, how many more type one diabetics have come into my life. So do you think it's that's, amazing? Do you think that's like when you buy a Chevy pickup and suddenly you see Chevy pickups everywhere, or do you I, think you're making? I don't more? know. I have no idea. I think I never thought to really advocate for or like bring awareness to this, the disease before mm-hmm. because it was just me. And then um, I think as time's gone on and now that Henry has it, I don't want him to go around feeling like there were definitely times when I tried to, you know, hide my hump or hide, you know, not tell people in an interview that I have type one diabetes or, you know, not tell the coach when I'm trying out for a team or whatever it might be. Um, And I just want him to feel like he doesn't have to be ashamed of it. And the more people know about the disease, um, the more normal it will be for him and other kids as they grow up with it. So I think since he's been diagnosed, I have felt um, more of a responsibility to bring awareness to the disease. And I think because I do talk about it a lot, that more people are like, oh, yeah, you have diabetes. You should I should introduce you to my friend Hillary. She also has diabetes. And so if I I don't. I'm sorry, if I gave you a magic wand, would you go back and find yourself and tell yourself that stuff? Like, just tell them it doesn't matter, but like, don't hide. Do you think it's that important? Uh, or did it work out okay for you? But now you're just yeah. worried about it for your son. I I think it worked out fine for me in the long term. I think I learned to, um, you know, tell the people who were closest to me and like teach them about it and um, know what to do in case of an emergency or whatever. Yeah. But um, I was just wondering, mm-hmm. like, I'm basically digging to find out if you have any psychological issues from growing up with type one. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. But, <laughs> 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 uh, I think, 
overall, it's, it's definitely made me a stronger person. I think that I, um, am able to do a lot of things because of the adversity that I had, you know, growing up with disease, but, um, you know, do you have a second? Can I I ask you one other question? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm asking you kind of to speak for him, but I'm sure this is a conversation you've had in your husband's opinion. Could he have continued his life as a Marine with type one? Oh, um, my husband, he believes that all Marines, you know, should be combat ready. And I think he understood that, um, you know, he wouldn't be able to fully serve in the same capacity okay. with type one diabetes. So, so there's I mean, a job he I'm could sh- have done, but he, he, when he thinks of being a Marine, he thinks that all, all hands on deck, like if I have to go, I need to be able to go. And yeah, I think that that's, yeah, I think that's, I mean, I can't speak for him, but I think yeah. that that is the overall the, yeah. the feeling that he had. I mean, he understood when he got the diagnosis that that would mean that he would be separated from the Marine Corps. Um, and he understands how long that. was he, how long was he in, uh, eight years. Was it hard for him? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Definitely. I, I take your point though. Mm-hmm. You can't be breaching a building yelling. Nick needs a cook. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. So, Time but, out. Yeah. I need a glucose tablet. Everyone you know, stop for a hold. second. <laughs> My right, blood sugar is exactly. a little low. We can get right. back to this I'm, in just a minute. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. I hear you. But yeah, I mean, he definitely has a, you know, I think it's, I think it's also harder for him being diagnosed at 30 than it was for me to be diagnosed at five, because I don't really remember life without the disease. Whereas he had a, a life and dreams that didn't include diabetes. And, yeah, you know, I, even I though he's rolled with the punches, it's not an easy thing to readjust to that, you know, whole new lifestyle. I, can, mm. I, I can't imagine it would be. And I, I take your point, especially if you're, if you're diagnosed as a kid, as long as you get through the awkward part of life without going off the deep end about it, I think right. you end up being okay. The most common story I hear, um, and you'll hear as you're listening to the podcast from like mid twenties, early thirties type ones is my parents took care of it when I was little. I went to college and lied and said I was okay. I wasn't. I got out right. and I figured out I should take a better care of myself. There are some people who are just like, like super type A or, gr- or just great at it or something like that who don't have that story. But I think that story is more common. You think my daughter's getting ready to leave for college. I'm incredibly focused on not letting that happen to her while she's away. So, right. I mean, I will all find out together how it's going to go because trust me, I could screw this up, but you know, I'm giving it a shot. Yeah. You know. I don't know how my parents did it, like in high school and in college, not having the Dexcom, not being able to know what my blood sugar was at any given time. Like, yeah, they probably drank, me... Hillary. They probably drank. That's probably what I don't think so. No, I don't think that. so. I don't know how they did it, honestly. And I just, I think they just worried a lot, um, which I would too, because anytime I don't have data for Henry, I immediately feel that same way. Yeah. So no, I know. I don't know. It comes in but. time though. In time you'll start feeling more comfortable. Like, you know, in the warm up period when you think, yes. oh gosh, two hours with no CGM, which by the way, with Dexcom G seven when it comes out, I think that's down to an hour. Um oh that's good. Praise yeah. the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And um but I I find that within reason and maybe with one finger stick, 
I can imagine how just two hours is going to go. Like, you know, after you see it enough times, it just, I mean, I realize the uncertainty of what could happen out of nowhere still exists. But once you find real stability, it's hard to um, not be able to see it, even with your eyes closed, I think. But that takes time. Yeah. You have a lot of experiences before you'll feel like that. It's just so mm-hmm. interesting that you've had diabetes for so long, even that you've been doing great for yourself for eight years. And yet that that, that confidence you have for yourself does not translate over to the care of your son yet. But it will, I think. <laughs> Well, every diabetic is so different and, you know, the things like we can eat the same lunch, the three of us, and we all need different amounts of insulin or different, like, you know, depending on if we're eating, you know, bonza protein pasta or whatever, like some Henry might not need any bolus for it. Whereas I need half of the carbs and my husband needs all of the carbs to be bolus for in order for us to stay in range. And so you know, what works for one doesn't always work for another. And then we have, we're going to go through growth spurts and hormones and yeah. I'm, I'm not ready, <laughs> but, um, you'll get you know. there. Also, you, must, I know. you guys must look like mathletes at dinner, you know? <laughs> oh, I'm sure that our <laughs> conversations are just fascinating to the people around us <laughs> and very confusing because, we're always talking about net carbs and I don't even know what else fiber and <laughs> should we do extended or not? And yeah, all kinds of stuff. Most people don't talk about when they eat. No, yeah. not at all. That's funny. Wow. You were terrific. Yeah. I really do appreciate you doing this so much. I'm sorry. I can't be longer than I said I was going to. Oh no, it's fine. My husband went to take, pick up the boys from preschool. So we're good to go, but um, yeah, thanks for having me. And I hope that um, our story is, encouraging to other people um, and whatever they're going through because type 1 diabetes is one heck of a beast and it can be very challenging at times so well I believe oh. it I believe it will I believe you did a great job today telling your story so um, I'm I'm all in on this one this was absolutely terrific thank you very very much well thank you thank you A huge thanks to Hillary for coming on the show and sharing her story with us. And another great big thank you to InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Don't forget to go to InPenToday.com to learn more. And of course, you can get your Contour Next One blood glucose meter at ContourNext.com forward slash juice box. It'll only take you a few minutes to go to T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box and complete the survey. Please do, because when you do, you're supporting the podcast and people living with type 1 diabetes, and you're helping yourself. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe in the app you're listening in right now. Subscribe or follow whatever the app allows. Please. It helps the show immensely. Subscribe and follow. I'll talk to you soon.